This is the Everything EV Podcast by EV Powered. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything EV Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything electric. I'm your host, Charlie Atkinson, and in these episodes, we'll be discussing everything to do with electric travel. So whether it be cars, bikes, boats, or even planes, we'll have it covered. We'll also be speaking to people from within the industry to get their views on the EV space, as well as other features such as electric car reviews, electric motorsport coverage, and much, much more along the way. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to receive every single episode as soon as it's released. And please do go back and check out all our other episodes too. In this episode, I speak with Joe Tig of electric bus conversion specialists, Clean Bus. Inspired by the need to tackle urban air pollution and the environmental impact from diesel buses, Joe set out on a mission to remove as many diesel buses from the streets as possible and to replace them with electric alternatives. Here, Joe talks about the key moment that caused him to embark on this journey, the challenges he's faced along the way, and how important electric buses are for the overall transition to electric vehicles. I suppose the best place to start then for, like I said, if this these podcasts are getting to know you pieces, for anyone that might not be aware of Clean Bus and what you guys do, how do you best describe that? What's your sort of best sales pitch for the company? Yeah, so I mean, the reason we do what we do uh, is because we're we're very mission driven. Um, we come at this very much from an environmental perspective, and uh, we identify diesel buses as one of the single biggest contributors to uh, local air quality, poor air quality, and environmental impact. So. What we did was we, we set about putting together a set of technologies to remove diesel engines from buses and replace them with clean electric, just because the the 97% of buses are diesel. So if you uh, extrapolate that over a timeline of how quickly can we replace them with new buses, it's 30 years plus. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the, the best thing really to do is to incorporate uh, repowering, which is what we do in with replacing buses with new buses. Yeah. And when did this whole journey of, of Clean Bus begin? Well, if we could start with your sort of background to begin with, and then how that led to the the sort of inception of Clean Bus and, and, the, and then the journey along so far to where we are today. Yeah. So I, my background is finance. I started trading commodities in the 1980s and um, have been in London since 1993. So I've uh, been a British passport holder for longer than most of the British passport holders, I think. So I've uh, been here a long time and um, about six or seven years ago, I just decided that I've had enough of finance uh, and really wanted to sort of commit myself to things that were positive for humanity or for the environment and uh, our planet. So I really kind of stepped away from finance, got involved with a company called Benevolent AI, which is um, artificial intelligence for drug discovery. And uh, that was an amazing ride and really enjoyed it. Uh, a buddy of mine who was the founder of the company uh, who used to work for me in an early startup of mine. Um, and then I left that to do uh, a biopolymer to replace plastics. And that still exists. And then uh, when we were looking at you know, how we get involved in the energy side of the business, uh, we looked at sort of, okay, distributed energy generation and storage, you know, really trying to come up with a comprehensive way of attacking uh, the way we currently do things, which is single point of production and a massive grid distribution system. Uh, And look at it much more as sort of uh, nodes on a knowledge graph, which 
every every little area has got its own generation and storage and they inter interconnect for resilience. And when we looked at that, we looked at commercial models to support that. And very quickly, you come to uh, a couple of big users of energy in a, in a, in a local area, which is, it's always data centers uh, and transportation um, and manufacturing. So we looked into the, manu the, uh, the transportation side and we thought, oh, wow, you know, here's these local transportation and buses that uses a huge amount of energy. And as we looked into it, we realized that 97% of the buses were still diesel. So we said, that's the big problem that needs to be solved. So we turned our sort of financial hat on that and then engineering hat to how do we solve this very efficiently and make it very financially viable for the fleet operators. So that's that's a, what we bring to the, the party is really kind of how we pre prefabricate a solution, which is financeable to the fleet operators. So it doesn't cost them any money out of pocket. Mm. I just want to go back to when you mentioned when you stepped away from finance, you said you wanted to do something that sort of greatly benefited humanity. Was there a specific turning point or, or yeah, what, what caused that sort of mindset change? I'm, I'm interested to see what sort of forced you to go from that side to, to where you are now. Yeah, so it coincides with my six-year-old son. So uh, I had a little boy uh, six years ago, almost to the day. And um, I just decided that, yeah, you know, he, he's going to have to deal with things that we didn't have to deal with. And so I really thought, okay, you know, I, not that I, I'm so egotistical that I think I can change the world, but I think that if everyone tries and everyone does what they can do, that will start to make a difference eventually. So that's, that's really kind of what the turning point was. And I think by far clean bus is the most impactful thing that I can do. I can measure every single diesel engine that we take off the road is just under 38,000 liters of diesel not burned in our city centers every year. And that's every single bus. So you start doing the math and you do a thousand buses. It's an enormous amount of, of diesel not being burned. And there are 5 million buses in the world uh, operating. So it really is impactful and it's very tangible something that we know for every single bus we do we know there's a real impact yeah and when you've worked across so many different industries and you've had a career that's as varied as yours how challenging has the the journey of clean bus proven to be in, in comparison to those because i mean converting any vehicle over to from petrol or diesel to electric i mean we do a lot with ev conversion specialists and just doing it with classic cars is challenging enough so doing it with great big buses has got to be sort of fraught with different obstacles and barriers, surely. Yeah, it, it really is sort of a journey, as you say. Um, we, we started with a, an engineering company that uh, threw their hand at this and they underestimated it. So mm. they actually ended up going bust and we picked up all their assets um, and some of their staff. And we... Uh, really kind of attacked the the software side of the problem early on and then uh the physical the the packaging of the the uh equipment later in this stage but it, it's it's not easy it's something that you know you really need to have a number of uh, great experts uh we've been very fortunate along the way we picked up uh, as our chairman the ex-president of imeki uh terry spall and so we, we've kind of been very lucky all the way along to pick up really good people. And um, we've got a, a, what we think is a really good system. 
the technology in our space is moving very quickly. So we opted not to try and design batteries or design motors, um, which is a really difficult thing to do. And it's a super competitive space that's moving very quickly. So even if you do develop something, it's very hard to, to get that to market and scale it. So we work with other suppliers to provide the, the motors and, and power electronics and batteries. Um, and we, even within that, when you look at what we do for, bu for buses, we're very much solution oriented because we're not selling equipment. Uh, so we don't really care uh, if somebody wants a lot of energy storage or just a little bit of energy storage to make sure that they optimize the bus for its duty cycle. And so we work together with charge point providers and uh, the fleet operator uh, and the local council and the grid to say, okay, how do we come up with a system which enables this bus to run with as little energy storage as possible and be as efficient as possible? If you put 10, 300 kilogram batteries on a bus, well, you've got three tons of battery that you're carrying around for 150 miles a day, every single day across all of your buses. Um, and that amount of energy is enormous. So we really look at it from the other perspective. We say, okay, what's the least amount of energy we can put on this bus and not have any range anxiety, never drop below a state of charge of 50%. And within that, the argument comes to opportunity charging and how do we build the infrastructures to support that? Yeah. And what's the, the state of play for, for you guys at the minute? How sort of far along are you on your journey? Do you have any buses out on the roads um, at the moment? Yeah. Where, 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 where do you sit at the moment? So we're still pretty early on. We've got a working demo bus. Uh, we're in talks with a number of operators to do pilot schemes for them. Um, our system is very different than what is currently being done. We build a subframe, which is designed for each make and model of bus. And then we can pre-assemble the entire drivetrain and pre-test it. So uh, we're able to transfer a bus from being diesel to electric inside of a week to two weeks. Mm. Um, and that is very different from you know what is currently happening in the market. Yeah. And so just going back to what you said earlier about how much, about how you said it was your six-year-old son that... <laughs> inspired you to go on this and, and when you sort of do the maths of, of just taking a, a, a diesel bus off the roads and how much pollution that saves it, it seems like a bit of an obvious answer but just how important is what you guys are doing to that sort of overall transition to electric vehicles because it's all well and good having new electric vehicles coming out from Ford, Mercedes and all this but there's a whole other side to mobility and transportation that is where it seems a lot further behind than everyday transport. So buses and, and other forms of transport like that, HGVs and lorries are, are, are the next step really, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, buses are a really uh, good example of something that is, is great to be repowered. Um, they're very expensive to buy brand new. And they also have the advantage of not being point to point. They're, they do circles in neighborhoods. So if you really want to have an impact in your local area, um, buses are a great one to start with. They're heavy diesel vehicles that produce an enormous percentage of the, the greenhouse gases and uh, particulate matter in, in, a, in a town. So we, we kind of focused on buses for that reason, because you, know, you really could see the impact. Um, we, can, we could 
repower three to five buses for the same price as a new bus. Wow. So all of a sudden, you know, we, we really are the, the champion of the, of the operators. You know, we're trying to figure out what is the most financially viable, technically sound and expedient way of transferring their buses from diesel to electric. And that's, that's a hard problem to solve. There's technical problems there. There's, there's financing. And so we work together with other ecosystem players, uh, the guys who uh, charge point providers, um, impact investors to come up with financial solutions that make it easier for the fleet operators and government. And the government's, you know, they're just getting their head around how to help uh, the industry do this. So that's, you know, been a, a, a conversation that the guys at Zemo um, have been incredibly instrumental in helping. And, uh, you know, just working together with the ecosystem to try and come up with the best solutions. It's really what we do. Yeah, just off the back of that, you've, you've had conversations with different people and the, the government are trying to wrap their head around this. Have you have you had any conversations with government specifically? Have you had any support at all? Um, yeah, what, what support have you had along along the way? Yeah, so we've spoken to DFT and Transport Scotland. Um, we, I was at a uh, a an afternoon uh, lunch at uh, Lords on Tuesday that uh, was hosted by Zemo, and they're very open to the conversation. Um, but to deeply understand the issue from the grid all the way back to uh, the wheels of the vehicles, um, it, it's complex. So they need a lot of. Uh, you know, obviously they're very bright people, but they, they can't be bright and, and be deeply knowledgeable about everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is, a, it's the difference between um, looking at a diesel vehicle and saying, okay, I'm going to, I have to replicate a diesel vehicle. It has 350 miles of range. So I've got to figure out how to carry enough battery to, to, to do 350 miles when actually that's not the argument you, particularly with buses, because they're just doing circles. You want to figure out, uh, how to get the energy to that vehicle as cheaply and effectively as possible. And that's where opportunity charging comes in. And that's where sort of government funding and, and support from the government for the local operators really is critical because the, the, the operators can't afford to build infrastructure on top of the infrastructure. There's they're meant to be building into their own depots and replacing their whole fleet. It's, it's untenable. Yeah. I think the word you mentioned, which sort of struck a chord for me was, was the understanding side of it. I mean, yeah. take, take it away from government for a minute, but just the sort of average person just on the street, they, they're probably now beginning to wrap their heads around electric cars, but they probably can't understand or can't fathom how you can have an electric bus, something so big that is run off electric power. But it does make sense, doesn't it? Considering how much range that you can pack into these things and how they are ideal because you can charge them overnight so it does make sense so there's there's i suppose but for your part there's a big element of this of trying to make people understand and explain to people that buses and lorries can be electric and it's just how how you do it like you said in, a, in that cost efficient way yeah and wayne gretzky said it right you have to skate to where the puck's going to be not where it was and um and 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 that's and that's what we try to teach people is that the fastest moving elements of our of our puzzle are charging and chargeability of batteries so the charge technology is really moving quickly um it's gone from 
11 kilowatts to 450, 500 kilowatt systems and wireless charging, pentagraph charging, you know, all different types of uh, chargeability in the battery management system and the way the cells are designed and the way that the batteries are monitored. So you, you're the, the ability to charge faster is going to get better and better. And so instead of stopping for an hour to have lunch and a cup of coffee while your car or bus or truck recharges, you literally will be able to stop for a minute, two minutes and get to 80% state of charge. And, you know, there's a lot of different technologies coming to the market that are, you know, there's, there's still some time away, but that's really going to be the, the, the paradigm shift that people notice. Yeah. I was going to say, cause I'm not specifically to clean bus, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the sort of future of this industry really. Cause we, I mean, this past year i've been to loads of different exhibitions and conferences where we're seeing megawatt charging and um yeah. and things like this so what for you what would you say is a realistic time scale for having a, if we just take to pluck london out of the air as an example what would you say is a realistic time scale to have a fully electric fleet of buses operating in a in a major city center like that I know it's getting you uh, out a little bit there, but well, I mean, if you look at London, there's eight and a half thousand buses in London alone. Mm -hmm. So to buy all new buses would be impossible. Um, to replace them, uh, re to repower them, and and buy new buses is really kind of the right mix. Uh, I would hope that we could achieve that in you know three, four, or five years. Um, but again, that takes kind of the best wind, uh, the best, the best sort of circumstances to, to get that done. And if you look at across the world, everyone's trying to do this at the same time. So the supply chains are going to get more and more taxed. Mm. So that's, that's, uh, I think that's going to be the sort of the really difficult one where, you know, unless some new battery technologies come to the fore that aren't completely reliant on lithium and rare earths, then, that's good. That's that'll be the sticking point where, where you get those those bottlenecks and supply chain issues. Yeah. And is Cleanbus predominantly based and focused on the UK market? I know you mentioned that there's other supply chains in other markets globally. Is that something of interest to you guys? Are you looking to venture into to Europe or over to the States or, or other markets like that? Yeah, I mean, we get we literally get contacted every day uh from different jurisdictions uh particularly the us but also southeast asia um europe a little bit uh not not quite so much quite obviously the the uk and you know our model is very much to try and uh procure power electronics motors and and batteries locally uh we can design the system locally and then we have uh are uh, we we had, we bring our our process um, to a local group, and, and then we create a local manufacturing facility or assembly facility, basically. So that's that's the intention of the business, and that, that's the only way to scale it and really have an impact on a, on a global scale is to be able to mushroom the business in very simple assembly units and keep all of the software and technical uh, bits in sort of a tightly, tightly held uh, group. Yeah. I just wanted to ask as well, because obviously we're coming towards the back end of this year now. So I always like to end these podcasts by getting people to do their sort of short-term future of the business and then the the, the long-term vision. So as we are coming about to turn the corner into 2023 now, what is the sort of, what's your to-do list for 2023? What's that 
that short term goal and and uh, your plans for next year but also if you look sort of three four five years down the line what's that long term vision of the company what do you hope to achieve by yeah as we sort of approach the, the end of the decade if you like yeah i mean the short term vision is just to continue to refine our our technology and make it more and more applicable uh develop more and more solutions for different makes and models of buses to make that um pretty much plug and play as as far as is possible work together with charge point providers to make sure that the uh, ability to create an efficient holistic solution rather than just selling people equipment um you know of course we could pack 10 massive batteries in a bus um it's it's not what you should do for a legacy bus so you know they, those vehicles were designed to be diesel vehicles not electric so you have to try and sculpt your your solutions in in line with the engineering that the original bus designers were were working to um and so i think that's really for us in the next year uh we're totally focused on buses in the next few years in the medium term we're absolutely focused on removing as many heavy diesel uh, systems as we can. So moving on to HGVs, moving on to uh, other types of heavy vehicles with large residual values that you can finance. So that's 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 how we bring our solution to the market without you know having to to the operators fork over enormous amounts of money to to do this trans transition. They can actually finance it and lease it like a like as if they were buying a, a, a new vehicle that's all for this episode many thanks for listening and if you liked it then please do check out all our other episodes and be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you get every single episode as soon as it's released for daily news coverage features and much more you can also head over to evpowered.co.uk thanks once again for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode of the everything ev podcast